BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. A day of scoops on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Your Ben Jarofsky Show for Tuesday, March 1st. Pay Your Rent, people, is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and, of course, Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com, for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. That's right. If you're just listening to this program after hearing about the Ben Jarofsky show on Fox 32, Ben Jarofsky also has columns, too. Check it out. Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A. V is in victory. S-K-Y. It is Tuesday. March 1st, and this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, Chicago Tribune writer, GP, Gregory Pratt. (laughs) And now your host. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Scooped by my Scoop Tuesday. And here's why. Woke up this morning to discover I was front page news, D. Yeah, me, your humble little host, this humble little show. There I was on the front page of my beloved bright one, the Chicago Sun-Times, delivered every day. And the Chicago Tribune also delivered every day. Was not on the front page of the New York Times, the war in Ukraine. Uh... Having, having preempted me, I understand that. Actually, I wasn't on the front page, me personally, of either the Sun-Times or Tribune either. It's a bit of an exaggeration and a distortion. So I'm going to have to do one of my favorite clarifications before I get further. Already I've made a mistake, D. This show's not even a minute oh, old. Oh, brother. Oh, brother. Oh, my God. We can edit it out. Don't worry about it. Uh, so anyway, actually, it was an article about uh, Alderwoman uh, Sue Sedlowski-Garza, good friend of the show. Uh, who we did a bonus interview with last week. Uh, and uh, actually, it was a very interesting. Let me just tell a story a little bit. So I had reached out to Sue. I've known her for a long time. I consider her a friend, uh, Sue Sedlowski-Garza. Her kids and my kids went to the same high school. Uh, so we're sort of like in the same general circle of humanity. Her father was a legendary uh union leader back in the 70s when I was very young and impressionable. And he's one of sort of like my heroes, so it was a great uh, thrill to meet uh, Sue Sadlowski way back when, whenever I met her. So uh, anyway, I reached out to her because, very sad story, uh, a friend of her daughter's, Sue's uh, goddaughter, I should say, uh, Amanda Kahlo, was killed by her husband. It's a very sad story. 
I'm going to get choked up talking about it. Uh, but Amanda Kahlo was also friends with my uh, youngest daughter. And uh, she was in an abusive relationship uh, with her husband and moved to get a divorce from her husband. And the husband, she was thought she was meeting with the husband to get him to sign uh, divorce papers. He pulled out a pistol and killed her, shot her dead, and then killed himself, leaving two children, a four-year-old and a one-year-old. So I said, Sue, why don't you come on the show and talk about the GoFundMe page for Amanda Kalo? I'd like to give another shout out for that uh, GoFundMe page. Amanda Kalo, C-A-L-O. There's two children uh, without a parent. C-A-L-O is the last name, Amanda. Uh, anyway, so we talked about Amanda. Katie came on, who was Sue Garza's daughter, talked about Amanda. I talked about the GoFundMe page, talked about the need uh, to get mental help when you're under stress and strain, talked about the need for society uh, to fund uh, mental health programs for people who can't otherwise afford it or it's not in their insurance, talked about the need in particular for police officers uh, to get some kind of help. The man uh, who killed Amanda uh, was a state trooper. I talked about a lot of things. Uh, related to these general issues. And then somehow or other, I can't remember. I have to go back and listen to the interview, D. We made a pivot. I can't remember how we made the pivot, but the pivot was made to politics. Uh, and Sue Sedlowski Garza, who was an ally of Lori Lightfoot, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, who was appointed to chair the Labor Committee in the uh, Chicago City Council by Lori Lightfoot, even though it's very bizarre to say that the mayor appointed uh, an alderman to chair a committee. That's the strange system we have in the city of Chicago, where the executive branch appoints the leaders of the legislative branch. I don't think we should do it that way. I think the aldermen should appoint their own leaders of their own own committees. And I think that Sue Sedlowski Garza would probably be appointed to the head the labor committee, even if uh, pretty much any alderman uh, in the city council uh, were to have uh, jurisdiction over that. I think Sue Sedlowski Garza, from what any, everything I can tell, is exceedingly popular with her peers. Uh, as such, she defends her peers. We don't always see eye to eye, Sue Sedlowski Garza and myself. Uh, we disagree on things like Patrick Daly Thompson, the alderman of the 11th. We get into all that uh, in the interview. Uh, but then she went on um, to make some comments about Lori Lightfoot that caught everybody off guard. Uh, as I said, she was an ally of Lori Lightfoot, has been an ally, and she ripped her pretty good. Uh, and uh, when that, uh, so we put it out there, typical Ben Jarofsky show fashion, dropped it on a, what was it, Saturday morning, no promotion, because when do we ever do promotion, huh, D? <laughs> We're too above promotion on the Ben Jarofsky show. We do that underground thing. We're <laughs> underground, man. Someone, I don't know who, sent the interview uh, over to Gregory Pratt, uh, the, the great uh, reporter at the Chicago Tribune City Hall reporter who will be joining us in about five or so minutes. Or, and uh, Gregory Pratt listened to said, oh, my God, there's a story here buried, <laughs> buried in this interview. <laughs> and uh, so he wrote it up. And I, I'm trying to think. He, I guess it ran Monday. I've lost track of time. So, you know, I get the, apparently Gregory Pratt's one of those guys who gets up early. I, there's a text on my, when I staggered out of bed at a, I don't know, it was early for me, about 9.30, I think it was on Monday. There was already a text from Gregory Pratt uh, saying, nice interview with Sue, call me or something. He'd already called me. I'm like, who gets up that early? And then I remember. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but can I just defend myself? Dennis, Gregory Pratt, all you early risers. <laughs> I was up at three in the morning. Were you up at three in the morning? Yeah. Who's dropping uh, scoops at three in the morning? <laughs> anyway, so I called him up. Uh, and uh, yeah, he, he had uh, he wrote the story. And then, of course, immediately go, oh, hey, come on my show. I want to talk to you about all those emails and links uh, and uh, texts 
that you've been gathering. So uh, from Lori Lightfoot. So he said, okay, I'll come on your talk, uh, your show to talk about the tax of Lori Lightfoot. And uh, so we cut that deal. How about that, D? Huh? That's Making Chicago. deals. Well, I, I, you made another one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Well, I cut another deal. Uh, yes. Well, I don't know if you know about this deal, but Arnie Duncan announced he wasn't going to be running for mayor. And uh, that breaking news. Uh, and I got a text from an uh, email from Pete Cunningham, who's like the brains behind Arnie Duncan, Mayor Daly, Rahm Emanuel. I always say, if they say anything smart, you know Peter wrote it. So I immediately emailed him back. Hi, right, Peter. Get on my show. So he's coming on the show, too. But um, I think that's the other deal I cut. Did you know? No, no, I'm thinking. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, forget. <laughs> so anyway, I got a, um, one thing led to another. And the Gregory Pratt story rebounded all over Chicago. Everybody picked it up. Franz Spielman at the Sun-Times. Uh, the... Uh, WBEZ, Dennis's favorite radio station. How'd you know? Easy. <laughs> Love those guys. Uh, and then I got a very funny. Um, I'm going to read this uh, email from the great Linda Paul, who used to work at BEZ many years ago, and uh, is a proud graduate of Chute Junior High at Emerson, uh, Illinois. Uh, and she sent me the, this email. Did you see? Uh, I see on item five on WBEZ's daily rundown, no less. Who's that? And, of course, uh, it was by Hunter Klaus, a uh, proud graduate of New Trier High School. Did you know that? Hunter Klaus went to New Trier, D? No. He's a Trevian. Yeah. Uh, he's a Trevian. He works for WBEZ. Uh, and he wrote it up. Former Lightfoot ally says she won't support the mayor's election bid. Uh, and he goes, she, Garza said in an interview on the Ben Jarofsky show, but he didn't put the link. <laughs> Hey, come on, Hunter. I know you went to New Trier and I went to Evanston, but you got to drop that rivalry at some point. Put the link in, all right, D? Right? Isn't that right? Yeah. He should know he's a millennial. Then uh, <laughs> it's just like, man, don't complain about the press, all right? Yeah, yeah. You know, we're getting some traction here, buddy. So anyway, Linda, very funny. She goes, um, they should hire you, be easy. Uh, and Dennis to do a live call-in talk show over there. Except hosts aren't spo supposed to blab their own political opinions all over the air. So you'd probably get booted out after one show. They're lost. That'd be a good that show. That would be one good show, though. <laughs> It'd be like, BEZ listeners would be called, who is this weirdo? This guy's way too left. If it, if it were you and me, I would do like a countdown clock. Like, you know, yeah. right when we started, like the countdown until when we get booted out of here. Yeah, it's hilarious because here's the deal. Uh, in that one email, Linda had me hired by BEZ, do a show on BEZ, then fired by BEZ, and then she's mourning my fictitious loss. She's already, <laughs> I'm like, man, you hired me, fired me, and mourned me. All in one email. Sounds like my career in AM radio, as I said. Although it lasted for one, more than one show. I think it lasted until they started listening to me. Oh, my God. Did you know we hired a lefty? Yeah. Get rid of this guy right now. No, uh, we had a meeting and they said, hey, why don't you take it easy on Rom? And it's like, all right, you guys aren't listening. You guys don't know who you hired. You don't know who you hired. <laughs> they told me that, ladies and gentlemen. Take it easy on Rom. I'm like, you're kidding me, right? <laughs> just right now out of nowhere you want yeah. this job and i believe i said ben i think we found our hill to die on <laughs> yeah that was it there were a few other hills that i didn't choose to die on but i died on that one well maybe tiffs who knows uh anyway so thank you very much linda paul and then i got a call um from the great mike flannery 
And I believe D, uh, that's what you were alluding to. I think we're done. Said, the campaign, of course, is not done. Yes, the pa- campaign, of course, is not done. That Mike Flannery, Channel 32. And I said, Flannery, what are you calling me for? Are you calling me to complain about all those imitations I've been doing about of, of you? And he goes, I didn't know you were doing <laughs> imitations. I thought those were Ken Davis imitations you were doing. Like, oh, my God. So Flannery said he's going to run a bit about uh, Sugars. He said, good job. Gregory Pratt has joined us. I'm just running down all the big events from uh, being scooped by Gregory Pratt on my own scoop. And uh, so Flannery did a uh, story on it. D, why don't you play Flannery's story? We have Greg Pratt sitting here. He's the guy who got the scoop of something that, of course, because I'm so bad at promoting my show, if it wasn't for Gregory Pratt, nobody would have heard that interview outside of the confines of the Ben Jarofsky Show universe. So God bless you, Gregory Pratt. D, why don't you play Flannery's uh, take All right. on the Sue Garza story? I'm tired of not getting phone calls returned. I'm tired of letting the inmates run the asylum. Once one of Lori Lightfoot's closest political allies, City Council member Sue Sedlowski-Garza, now says the mayor doesn't deserve a second term. Garza's description of dysfunction in the mayor's office echoes in other former Lightfoot allies and insiders. Our political editor, Mike Flannery, has more. Mayor Lightfoot's dismissed previous complaints about her allegedly abrasive management style, saying that criticism comes only because she is black and a lesbian. Now, a former close ally says it's one reason why she won't support a second term for Lightfoot when questioned by podcaster Ben Jarofsky. No, not support. Absolutely not. I I have never met anybody who has managed to piss off every single person they come in contact with. Police, fire, teachers, aldermen, businesses, manufacturing. While it's been Lightfoot's misfortune to be mayor during the worst pandemic in a century, Sue Sedlowski-Garza suggests the mayor's dysfunctional management style has not helped. The former teachers union leader is angry that Lightfoot rejected an operating permit for a metal recycling plant in her far southeast side ward, despite, she says, getting clearance from environmental experts. I've already lost four projects that have left and gone to Indiana because of of all these rules and regulations and crazy policy things that have been put out there. Without addressing any of Sadlowski Garza's specific complaints, the mayor wrote, Alderman Garza is someone I have collaborated with on meaningful legislation for working families. There is more to do together. Alderman Garza and I will talk and work through this. Garza's description of Lightfoot's administration as a, quote, dog and pony show recalled a more diplomatic critique from former Inspector General Joe Ferguson after Lightfoot dismissed him. She has good and hardworking people um, around her, but, uh, you know, and I've been asked this before, I'm not sure it's the right bundle of competencies around her. The mayor's indicated publicly and privately that she does plan to file for re-election later this year. I'm political editor Mike Flannery. All right. Very good. I'm, I'm going to do my Flannery invitation one more time. We'll send it over to Flannery because he said he wanted to hear it. I'm political editor Mike Flannery. Oh, you're not doing the thing. You're not doing the noise you make. 
There it is. All right. Chosen to Ken Davis. All right, uh, Gregory Pratt from the Chicago Tribune. So much to talk to you about. I just saw your text that you have a little more time than I thought you did, so that's great. Uh, First of all, welcome to the show. And second of all, thank you one more time uh, for writing up my my scoop because I didn't have enough sense to, to promote my own scoop, and you really got the message out to the world. So thank you very much, Gregory Pratt. Yeah, and you know you're you're the big corporate sellout now on the front page of the Chicago Tribune. Your name is on there. Can you imagine? Now, you're gonna lose all your street cred. I, uh, yeah, whatever street cred I had is gone. And uh, as I texted someone yesterday, I can't remember. Colonel McCormick is rolling over in his grave. <laughs> you put that lefty on the front page of the Tribune. Uh, I apologize, Colonel McCormick. Uh, so anyway, all right. I originally wanted you to come on the show. I'm going to tie it all together, uh, Greg, uh, to talk about your sensational series you've been doing on uh, texts and emails that you've been picking up from Lori Lightfoot through a FOIA request. So we'll get to all that. But let's start with the Sue Garza thing, because actually there is, I think everything in the universe of Chicago politics, Greg, is related to one of the texts or emails that you've publicized over the last year. And the Sue Garza uh, story is no different. Part of Sue Garza, the reasons uh, Alderwoman Garza, I should stop calling her Sue Garza, the reason why uh, Alderwoman uh, Sadlowski Garza uh, is so upset, or one of the reasons, is because, how do I put this? It's sort of like Lori Lightfoot uh, threw her under the bus, to use that saying, on the issue of General Irons moving its scrap iron facility from the north side to the south side. Uh, Garza was sort of the front woman on the project, taking the heat, uh, and uh, there was a text or I, I don't know if it was a text or an email uh, that you published uh, an exchange between Mayor Lightfoot and Sue Garza, where I think Lori Lightfoot, I don't have it right here in front of me, says something like, I'm with you all the way or something along those lines. I don't I have it here, but I just don't have it literally right in front of. Me. Oh, I'm riding with you till the end. I'm riding with you till the end. Well, I guess the end is here because she's no longer riding with her. Uh, Sue got the uh, message from. Uh, our Dr. Awadi, the health commissioner, that they were going to reject a permit, an operating permit uh, for the metal scrap facility. And I think that really set uh, Sue Garza off. Your thoughts uh, on this exchange between Sue Garza and Lori Lightfoot and the metal scrap and everything else in this universe? Go. Well, I understand why uh, Alderwoman Garza is upset. You know, she's she has been the front person. She's been taking these hits. She's been a supporter of the project behind the scenes. And, you know, she went into that in far more expansive, uh, far more expansively than she has before on your show, you know, but when she talked about all those things, she had been walking down a pretty narrow line. uh, I think with the expectation that the, uh, that the city was going to give up this permit and that all of this wasn't just for nothing And then the city rejected the permit, which also, of course, came as a surprise to the uh, RMG and General Iron as well, because they had gotten a deal from the city to go ahead and and uh, go forward with this. But, you know, the problem Sue ran into is she thought that. And again, the problem Alderwoman Garza ran into is that. The you know, she turned to see, does my buddy have my back? the buddy who told me she was riding with me till the end. And that text came in response to Sue telling the mayor that the environmentalists were coming after her and that they were criticizing her. And, and, you know, Sue said they don't tell the truth. They don't play well with others. So F them. And uh, the mayor's response was I'm riding with you till the end, which is uh, you can understand why that's 
why that would anger Alder Woman Garza. But you know, it's not, it's it's a little um uh it's more than that. I mean, for instance, uh the mayor was touting some stuff that they did together recently with uh raising the minimum wage at the airport. And behind the scenes, Sue Garza, Alder Woman Sue Garza, has been livid because this was supposed to have been done, I think, last summer. And uh what what you know, there's some back and forth about the mayor told SEIU and the Alder uh, aldermen who are involved, which, uh, you know, there's a couple other people who are involved, though Sue is the leader, though Garza is the leader. Um, the, you know, that they, they were going to handle it and they dragged their feet on that. And so um, Alderwoman Garza has been furious about a lot of stuff. And then it finally boiled over in a fascinating way. Yeah, she uh, it caught me off guard, as I said, before you came on the show. In fact, I told you on the phone, I wasn't expecting her uh, to take off after the mayor the way she did. And then when she got going, she really let a, a lot out. Uh, and um, I uh, I think I said it to Garza when uh, she was telling me all this, that this was political. And by that, I mean, we're heading into an election uh, cycle, a re-election cycle for Lori Lightfoot. As you write in, uh, in your uh, articles, we all presume Lori Lightfoot's uh, going to run, although we've been surprised before. Uh, Rahm Emanuel surprised us last time around, and we all thought he was going to run. So let's just work from the assumption that she will be running. Uh, and one of the necessities, obviously, is that she uh, clean up, I have that sort of a euphemistically, uh, this situation with General Iron, where they moved to a noisy, obnoxious operation from the north side so that the land can be developed for upscale development to the southeast side, uh, which uh, is a, a, a less wealthy neighborhood, uh, more integrated, uh, Hispanics, black people, etc., cetera, uh, than the north side, which is rapidly gentrifying and hasn't completely gentrifying. I've been one of the many people banging her over the head, Lori Lightfoot over the head, for allowing that to happen. Uh, Greg, it seems like Lori Lightfoot sensed that, you know, it may be good to uh, not be at war with environmentalists uh, and Southeast side activists. So let's uh, pull the license uh, on this deal, have a little peace as I head into, or at least on this one front, as I head into a, a re-election cycle. That's my read of it. What's your read? I think that's a fair read. I think that, you know, they would say that they do, that the only reason they do anything is because of the holiness of, of science and good wisdom or whatever. But uh, I think that uh, she had enormous political pressure on herself as far as that goes, which she had mostly um, resisted. You know, it's pretty astonishing how little she said about the hunger strike, if she said anything at all, when that was going on a year ago. But um, she was under enormous pressure. And at some point you need to give on, on some things. And, and, um, we shouldn't over understate the pressure that Dr. Arwadi was under. I mean, she had prominent doctors in Chicago writing her public letters saying, you know, why are you doing this? This is racism. This is this and that. And uh, Dr. Arwadi, uh, you know, there's, there's no, how can you not be affected by that? You're, you're just some random doctor. Uh, let me rephrase. You're a doctor. You become a public health commissioner. You're not a politician, which is what I meant by some random, you know, uh, no, dis no disrespect to Dr. Wadi. Uh, but you're just a, you're a doctor. You're not a politician. And you've got these slings and arrows coming at you and they're not coming at you from obnoxious reporters or from obnoxious aldermen. But they're coming from your peers. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, 
you can see how this becomes a political decision and you don't want you just you just don't want to be confronted by uh, general iron activists everywhere you go during a campaign. Yeah. And I, I have to tell you, uh, I'm a little bit all over the map on this one, uh, Gregory. I initially, well, I just was so fo- fixated on the shift of the operation from the north side to the south side and just the obvious contrasting attitudes that was ref- that reflects from city officials where you clear it out of the north side so you could redevelop it for upscale development, you just put it in the south side. So I was so fixated in that. And uh, Garza came, made a very compelling case for having the operation, even in uh, on the southeast side where there is a lot of pollution, saying it was going to be clean, uh, a clean operation. There were a lot of good-paying jobs. I urge everybody to check it out because she makes a compelling case that I had not heard made. And I think you 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 kind of alluded at this in some of your writing. Uh, they were reluctant to make a compelling argument for moving it to the southeast side because they didn't want uh, to go head to head with activists and residents uh, from that area. They didn't want to even, they didn't want to really take the, the lead in defending their, the merits of this transfer. They were kind of passive aggressively going about it, if you will. And uh, so Sue Garza put it right in my face and I had to think about it like, yeah, there are jobs here, good paying jobs here. And this is an important uh, environmental asset actually to have a, a crushing facility. Like what are we going to do with the, the cars and the, the junk any with, if we don't crush it. Um, so that's my take. What's your response to that? That it was a, sort of like a passive aggressiveness about how the city was handling this. Well, there's no question. You know, there was a time right after the announcement was made uh, a couple Fridays ago that they were denying the permit. Uh, me and Mina Bloom from Block Club I think it was me and Mina. No, it was me and Hannah Alani from Black Black Club. We're we're joking about um, the time that the city used to. You, if you ask Mayor Lightfoot about General Iron moving to the South Side, she had a two minute throat clearing exercise about how General <laughs> Iron is not moving to the Southeast Side. In fact, a company that is partially owned by one of the Labcons and that is buying their assets and plans to run General Iron bought General Iron and will be operating as not General Iron, which sounds like some weird uh, geometry, algebra, trigonomics, whatever, um, not addressing the actual substance of the issue, which is let's not talk about the the shell game going on, the corporate whatever. And so, um, yeah, there's a lot of people moving um, – you know, not necessarily being direct and talking plainly about this. And uh, and you can see why. Uh, General Iron is a company that had a bad record on the north side. And so you're trying to say they're going to do better on the southeast side. Here's the reasons why. Uh, you can you can understand and forgive a lot of people for saying those are just words. I don't care what they say they're going to do going forward. I care about how they've operated. Yeah. Which is ultimately what Arwadi said which uh, I can understand why that would anger the company, the older woman and other people as well. Yeah, it, it's a lot messier now. In general, I always encourage politicians, not that any of them will ever uh, follow me, uh, my advice in this, be as transparent as you can on things like this. Because the more you try to filibuster, as you were alluding to with the throat clearing uh, operation, uh, the worse it gets. All right, there is one person who is uh, talking plainly uh, and another scoop uh, that you had today. 
Uh, Arnie Duncan plainly spoke, and he said, uh, I am not going to run for mayor of the city of Chicago in 2023 uh, against Lori Lightfoot. I'm just I'm happy doing what I'm doing. And Gregory, your uh, scoop totally caught me off guard. I like many Chicagoans, pretty much everyone who comes on this show. We'd all been opining about Arnie Duncan's uh, campaign. Peter Cunningham comes on the show as Arnie's spokesperson. The brains behind everybody over the night end of the political spectrum. Uh, we'll be coming on the show to explain it, I guess, uh, later this week. Uh, what do you think's going on here? Why, why do you think ultimately uh, Arnie Duncan decided not to run against Lori Lightfoot? I've been talking to business leaders, aldermen, city folk about Arnie Duncan for at least a year on a semi-regular basis. Is he going to run? Is he going to run? And everybody keeps saying, kept saying, you know, he just doesn't really want to do it. He just doesn't really want to run. He'd do the job if, you know, he woke up on the fifth floor, but he just didn't really want to do it. And in recent weeks that had changed a little, uh, I guess, whatever conversations he was having with folks were more, yes, I am going to do it. Yes, I do want to do it. Uh, but ultimately what I'd been hearing for a year up until earlier in January was that his heart just wasn't in it. And if your heart's not in it, your heart's not in it. I mean, I've alluded to this on social media and in stories, whoever runs against Lori Lightfoot is going to get slapped and kicked every single day. And Lori Lightfoot slaps hard and kicks hard. And so, um, I'm not saying Arnie uh, is scared to get slapped and kicked or, or is scared of combat, but when you take everything, when you take the fact that he has a life, uh, he's never been an elected official, and you're going to come into this inhospitable environment to take on the uh, reigning, defending, fighting champion is not – is it, it, it makes sense to me that he didn't do it. Now, I had changed – I had thought that he was going to do it because the the tenor of his conversations with people who then talked to me, and I'm not talking about like, you know, a spokesperson or anything, but the tenor of the conversations he were, he was having changed and were more serious. But you know, if your heart's not in it, your heart's not in it. And that's a, that's also a song I really like. <laughs> I don't know that song. Once again, I'm showing my ignorance of stuff that happened after the year 1979. Uh, but we won't talk about my ignorance of the Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, we have other things to talk about. All right. Um, yes. Uh, what caught me off guard, obviously, was uh, Arnie Duncan had made some uh, major addresses on the issue of crime and uh, what he felt the direction the city should go in. Uh, essentially, without using the frame, uh, the term, uh, sort of a quote unquote defund the police strategy. Uh, where you shift money that would go, uh, otherwise go to the police into social service programs. He didn't call it defund the police. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, as you said, she fights hard. She immediately came out and said, oh, that's defund the police, which is such an unpopular term. No one wants to uh, use it anymore. Uh, and I just thought, that, hmm, that's interesting. The woman who ran as a progressive uh, to change or reform the police department is now sounding like a Trump Trumper when it comes to somebody talking about reforming the police. Uh, so I think uh, he that may have had a role in uh, in his retreat. What's your prediction as to how Lori Lightfoot now treats him? Do you think she's going to issue a statement saying what a wonderful guy he is uh, and how she wants to work with him? You know, now that he's decided not to run against her. Uh, I suspect she'll mostly ignore him. Besides the fact that he was trying to take her job and and criticizing her, 
you know, there's bad blood there. Uh, you know, the, uh, you know, um, there's just some bad blood there. I suspect she mostly ignores him and moves on with her life and he moves on with his life. But she's, um, uh, you know, uh, she put out a statement praising Joe Ferguson right before Joe Ferguson left his post. And within a couple of days, she was ripping on him. <laughs> you know, it's not a, and, you know, uh, it's not whatever statement she puts out is, is a statement. And, you know, when she says stuff, we'll see. But I expect that, uh, um, uh, uh, their paths probably aren't going to be crossing too much. Uh, I uh, well, I've I've seen this before though. I've seen this show before where they uh, like. We, I think it was most recently when uh, Pat Dow left the race for uh, Secretary of State to run for uh, first congressional congressperson. Uh, all of a sudden, everybody else who was br- running against her for Secretary of State was like, "What a wonderful, what a wonderful public servant she is." All right, let's move on to. Uh, this fascinating series uh, that uh, you've been writing for the Tribune since I want to say December. I did maybe started before December. Uh, it's you've been an- collecting and analyzing texts uh, and uh, emails that Lori Lightfoot has been sending to various people, including Kwame Raul, uh, Attorney General Kwame Raul, Governor J.B. Pritzker, and various aldermen. Fascinating stuff. Uh, we talk about it a lot on the show. We do dramatic readings of the texts from time to time with Dennis playing multiple roles. Um, first, before we, I've got a whole series of these articles in front of me. Uh, I would love to get your, to annotate uh, all these different quotes. We'll get to that. But first, uh, explain to people what it took to get these uh, texts and emails uh, and uh, threats of lawsuits, resistance from the city, intervention from the attorney general. Just explain to people what it took for you to uh, gather these documents. Well, uh, the city was uh, dragging its feet on giving me Lightfoot's text messages. You know, I, I so I have a practice where every month on the first of the month, which of course is today, um, I pay my rent and by I pay my rent, I go and I ask the city, give me any subpoenas you've received in the last month. Give me a log of the mayor's emails for the last month. Give me all of her text messages with some very important people, including, you know, Governor Pritzker, all 50 aldermen, some some business leaders, and of course, Ben Jarofsky. Uh, (laughs) No, I don't ask for her text with media. Um, but, uh, but I know that you're the, you're the brains behind the operation (laughs) over there. So, uh, I asked for her text with all these people and they just kept not giving me anything. They, they, a couple of times they gave me some, they gave me her texts a couple of times and then they just stopped and they stopped responding. And I would say, where are they? And they would say, uh, you know, we're busy or they wouldn't answer or they would say the check is in the mail. I like to say that my job as a reporter is often to be a debt collector and you're just hounding a bunch of people, uh, saying, you know, give me, give me my rent. Um, I know I've mixed that metaphor a couple of times now, but, uh, so I was asking and they were just stalling and stalling and stalling and not responding. I think they had an issue with, uh, searching her personal phone because the mayor has, at least two phones. I, I think it is. I think it's just two, but she has at least two phones. She has the personal device and the iPhone, uh, you know, that, that she got after becoming mayor. And she has the personal device from beforehand, two numbers. And, um, 
And I think they just didn't want to search her phone. You know, I think they were there was some slowness there. I think there were a lot of issues there. And uh, I kept saying, look, I'm going to take you to the AG. And then we went to the AG and the AG said, hey, you got to search her phone. And then they were still dragging their feet. So the Tribune had to go get a big, expensive lawyer to say, we're going to sue you. And um, their lawyers, uh, the city's top lawyer, had a meeting with our lawyers. And on that, I would say that uh, those were productive and fruitful conversations. And they've become much better. They produced two and a half years worth in uh, several weeks. And, you know, they've, they've been much better. I don't, uh, uh, if uh, corporation counsel Celia Mace is listening, I genuinely, um, genuinely appreciate uh, the efforts that they have made since we threatened to sue on that. And uh, the relationship has been better, but for a long time, they were just dragging their feet as a city and, uh, um, cynically, I would, I, I might say you can see why, um, but I'm not so sure if that's the reason why, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why, but they're doing much better for now. Well, uh, we're going to get into it, but I have to say this. Uh, I, I recently uh, filed a FOIA through, uh, attorney Matt topic, uh, who, who represents, I think pretty much every writer in town. I don't know if he's, uh, represented you. I, and, uh, so they said something back. This had to do with what, uh, Rahm Emanuel, uh, and the inspector general, I wrote a column about it and what evidence they had, uh, that Rahm, uh, there was no substantiation to a claim that Rahm buried the LaCroix McDonald tape. Uh, and they sent me back a whole bunch of Adobe files. Correct, Greg. I got, I'm embarrassed to admit the baby boomer. I'm going to have a make fun of myself in an ensuing column. I can't make head or tails. <laughs> I'm like searching for millennials to help me with them, and most millennials they're like too busy. Uh, so, did they send it to you that way? Adobe files that are really difficult uh, to unpackage. By Adobe files, you mean PDFs? Yeah, but under Adobe in particular. So you got to download Adobe. You should have seen me and my wife were like trying to figure this stuff out. And I'm like, I said to my, I said to her, I go, you know, I know McDumpkey is not having problems with this because he's really good with computers, even though he's not a baby, uh, even though he's not a millennial. And I think I mentioned you because you are a millennial. You know, my, I got in there. Uh, people who just have a greater expertise with the computer, a little f- more familiar. Yes, but that's exactly what they sent me. I'll help my grandpa if you ever have that issue. You can send some over, but I don't. I don't. Uh, uh, I haven't really incur- encountered that issue, but uh, with the city. But I, it may just be that I have Adobe on my computer, so I don't. I don't notice. I, I don't know, but um, you know, they should cut that out. They, oh, yeah. you know. And just messing with the old man. All right, let's get to some of these. These are fascinating. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read uh, the, uh, the, the the Lightfoot comment or text and then get you to riff. This, ladies and gentlemen, is improv. We've not uh, gone over this at all. Okay, there was no pre-show production planning or anything. So we're going to see how quick Gregory Pratt is on his feet. All right, um, this one is perhaps the most controversial uh, and I will now read you. This is uh, the mayor of the city of Chicago uh, sending a text to uh, Alderman Pat Dow. Quote, it has everything to do with Fraternal Order of Police President John Catanzara, that racist SOB trying to prove that he has more power than the black mayor and the black police superintendent. And Burke, Ed Burke of Alderman Ed Burke, per usual, found a dumb, dumb person of color to do his bidding it is classic 
racial politics. Gregory, unpack that for us. Well, it's eye-opening. It, it reflects one of the mayor's broad worldviews, which is that a substantial amount of criticism that goes her way is coming from Burke and that Ed Burke is running a sort of underground resistance against her. That's absolutely something that um, that the mayor believes when it comes to a lot of uh, a lot of issues like the vaccine mandate fight, which is what she was texting about there. And uh, uh, it's pretty shocking language. Did you ever figure out who was she was alluding to when she said a dumb, dumb person of color? Well, a couple of days before sending that text, she had referred to Alderwoman Silvana Tavares as um, as carrying the water for a white racist. But, you know, um, some of the rumblings I've heard is that the mayor was talking about someone else and. uh and, you know, they they ran away from that question as much as possible, because no matter who she's talking about, it doesn't really change the point or the problem with it. But uh, Silvana Tavares makes sense contextually, but she may not be who she was referring to. Well, I got to tell you this. Uh, I think uh, it's a, a little paranoid to uh, bring out Burke. I don't think Burke has the power uh, that Mayor Lawyer Lightfoot thinks he does, uh, particularly now that he's under indictment and defending off the feds. Uh, and I think, uh, actually, that she has long ago concluded that using Ed Burke as the scapegoat for absolutely everything plays well because nobody likes Ed Burke anymore. You know what I mean? Even the corporate, they may still like him, his corporate donors that for years gave him uh, campaign contributions, but they're not public about it. So, uh, and that's my uh, thoughts about it. What's your thoughts? I think um, I think it's right that Burke doesn't really have that kind of power, and I think it's it it's really stretching um, it's really stretching that. But you know, uh, behind a lot of the criticism, the mayor sees Ed Burke on the right, and CTU on the left, and Stacey Davis Gates in particular. Uh, who, in addition to being the union's vice president and who's running for the union's presidency, is also head of United Working Families, which is a political party. And, you know, um, the mayor is not necessarily a play actor the way a lot of politicians are, where they're necessary. You know, all sorts of politicians do all sorts of uh, choreographing and setting up a, a straw man, you know, and I'm sure that there is some element of that for Mayor Lifo when it comes to Ed Burke. Uh, but she really believes this, you know, and the, the proof is in that text message. You know, that's not a that's not her standing before the media saying, well, Ed Burke's up to it again. That's her very earnestly and in raw, naked terms, making an appeal to one of her fellow Alder or one of her fellow elected officials that, hey, this guy is out here. He's undermining me and he's doing it for racist reasons that's not play acting yeah i'll go uh, a step further in this particular email i don't know if she was alluding to alder woman to but i'll say this uh the pressure that alder woman to is facing from the fraternal order police is not imagined uh Zara has said he's going to run candidates uh in war well he said throughout the city but He's really talking, I think, uh, Gregory, uh, in a portion of the city that you're very familiar with because you went to high school down there. And that would be the 23rd Ward, uh, the 19th Ward on the southwest side. Now, that's where you went to high school. But also on the northwest side where there's a lot of policemen and firefighters that live in those wards. Uh, And uh, Tabaris 
if she's going to run for re-election, she knows she can't be on the wrong side of the police. It's a very, uh, they're, they're a powerful force in her ward. So I think she's reacting less to Ed Burke, unless he's just giving her strategic advice, and more to the threat from Kat and Zara about running someone against her. What's your thought about my theory? I think, um, I don't really think Tabarez uh, in particular is um, trying to pander to Cananzara. I think they're aligned genuinely on this. I don't think it's necessarily going along. For instance, there are a lot of aldermen who supported the vax mandate effort that she unsuccessfully led reluctantly. Like a lot of people thought it was worded badly. A lot of people thought it wasn't a fight that they actually wanted to have. And those people were under pressure to go along with the FOP, you know, like um, there were a lot of, uh, I mean, that was a fight in October, I believe at the October city council meeting. And there were a lot of conservative aldermen, um, white, black, and Brown who were like, man, this ordinance sucks. This ordinance was written badly. This ordinance is this and that, but they felt they had to go along in some ways. It's similar to the victim's justice ordinance uh, as mayor Lightfoot calls it. In other words, the, uh, the gang asset seizure. There's a lot of aldermen who, whether it's for progressive reasons and they're concerned about civil rights or for conservative reasons who are like, this thing isn't going to do anything. This thing is, uh, is just PR crap, which a lot of them believe they're still going to vote for it because they, you know, crime is the issue of our, of our uh, year right now. So it's, it's very interesting, but I, I know you're going to make fun of me later because I keep giving politicians credit for being sincere and earnest about their <laughs> beliefs here. And I, I actually do believe that for Tabaras on this, it's a sincerely held belief that you shouldn't be forcing these these cops to take the shot if they don't want it. Uh, I, I may give you grief if I continue to hear it. That reminds me of today's Sun-Times editorial about Kenny G, Ken Griffin. This is a total tangent. They were bending over backwards. It was a great editorial. I urge everyone to read it because ultimately they're critical of him. Uh, linking to Dave McKinney's outstanding reporting about Griffin owning uh, stock and gun companies. But they were so bending over, to be fair, uh, as a... Quoting the great McDumkey. To be fair, that was uh, a line McLeaks always to say. All right, uh, here's another one. And this one, wow, I'm just going to read this to you. And I, you know, this is a podcast, so we're allowed to swear. So I'm just going to tell you that right now. Um, here we go. In May 2020, Nick Spazzato, alderman of the 38th Ward and a guest on the show, uh, texted Lightfoot, quote, Shitso is an asshole. <laughs> And then Lightfoot responded, there are no words for that jackass. Uh, all right, uh, Gregory Pratt, please uh, translate that uh, into language all of our listeners can understand. Uh, they were bad-mouthing Pil- Pilsen Alderman Byron Sigcho Lopez, who the mayor has a special antipathy for because he showed up at a protest at her house which um, she does not like having protests at her house, period, by anybody. But uh, she and a lot of people within the political world thought it was a step too far, you know, for an elected to go to another elected's house they thought was was too far, you know, even some left-leaning people. Uh, But she has a lot of animus towards him for a lot of reasons, but that's a big one. And uh, Nick's usually... uh... But he's like uh, Sue Sadlowski Garza. He usually has nice things to say about uh, his colleagues. Uh, and I've had many conversations with Nick Spazzato over the years, and I don't recall him bad-mouthing 
and another alderman. If anything, well, he seems to go out of his way to compliment them. What's what's going on here with his uh, calling him uh, having a nickname for him? Well, he doesn't like the socialists. You know, last year he called Carlos Ramirez Rosa a pile of shit. Um, <laughs> I think it was actually in 2018, and he said it to his face. I think um, it was it was a, it was ugly. It was unfortunate, and it was ugly and uncalled for. Of course, you know, like uh, it's just. N- we shouldn't be so cynical uh, as to entertain everybody dissing each other in those terms, but it happened. It was a thing, but um, you're right. This Spazzato is a go along, get along guy in general. And, you know, he, uh, he loves to brag about I'm this person's favorite alderman or I'm this person's favorite Northwest side alderman. Or if he can't get that, you know, I'm, I'm their favorite alderman who sounds like Dan Michalopoulos or something, you know, yeah. uh, because of the Chicago accent, you know? And, and so, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's what's going on there. Spazato doesn't like the lefties and the mayor doesn't like the lefties either, but he really hates uh, Byron St. Joe Lopez. Yeah. I, uh, Byron St. Joe Lopez, by the way, a frequent guest on the Ben Jarofsky show. I'm probably going to read him this quote, uh, the next time he's on. All right. Uh, in the lead up to the 2020 budget vote, we'll, we'll move on from the alderman, uh, text cause there's, uh, the governor and Kwame Raul, but uh, uh, this last one, I really want to get your thoughts on in the lead up to the 2020 budget vote. Lightfoot told black alderman quote, don't come to me for shit. Uh, if they don't support her budget, Alderman Walter Burnett texted her that the message had hurt her efforts to whip votes. Uh, Burnett is the alderman of the 27th Ward. Uh, quote, this is uh, Lightfoot's response. Sorry if I offended people by being candid, but it is only fair to support the people who support your programs. In what world does the opposition get rewarded? Uh, end of quote. Well, I'd say in the U.S. Senate, it happens all the time. Uh, but we're going to stay away from national politics. Apparently, Lori Lightfoot's not paying attention uh, to what's going on. Biden is attempts to get Joe Manchin uh, to vote with Democrats. Uh, all right, uh, Gregory Pratt, help us out on this one. Uh, please uh, explain what's going on here. Well, the mayor said the quiet part out loud. It's always been implicitly understood that if you're against the mayor, you're not going to get the city services or the support that that you that you feel you're entitled to. And, you know, you would see it all the time where, um, you know, there used to be beef between um, some of the progressive aldermen and Amaya Pawar, who was a progressive alderman back in the day, but he would work with Rahm Emanuel on something sometimes. And, and uh, the other progressives would get mad at him because they would feel that Rahm would give him something when they didn't want to give a win to Scott Waggis back or something. And so um, uh, politics is a strange uh, sport. It's strange and grotesque uh, sport and business and art form and whatever else you want to call it. And, uh, the mayor was saying the part that you're not supposed to say, which is you're not going to be rewarding people who aren't with you all the way. And, you know, I think actually that text message, it never got the type of attention it deserved from, from people. But I thought it, I thought that and the don't come to me for shit are stunning um, about faces from what the mayor campaigned on and what the mayor talked about. And for instance, you know, her saying, uh, you know, I'm not going to prioritize your ward if you don't vote for me. Uh, isn't as bad as some of the things that um, Jim Gardner is alleged to have said and done, but it's not. It, it's in the same ballpark. It's it may even be in the same section of the ballpark. And so it's just one of those things where um, 
when I, you know, I've got hundreds of pages of these texts and I've written about many dozens of them. I don't just write about the ones that are like, oh, hey, you know, this is stupid or this alderman said a funny or or whatever. I tried to go into things that were more serious and substantive as to how the mayor actually governs and how the mayor interacts with people instead of just, you know, um, how does she say she governs and how does she say she interacts with people? Because the reality for her and for every other politician, there's always a, a divide and sometimes it's a chasm. Yeah. And by the way, I would point out, and this is probably what uh, to tie our uh, conversation together, really irritated uh, Susanlowski Garza because she had been with the mayor every step of the way. She voted with the mayor every step of the way. She kept her mouth shut when her beloved Chicago Teachers Union went on strike and the mayor was fighting with Stacey Davis Gates. And I know a lot of lefties were mad at her because they would call me and tell me, your girl Sue sucks. And I, um, so to... And so to know how the mayor views the world in these texts where if you work with me, I work with you. If you don't work with me, I don't work with you. And then to from Sue Sedlowski's Garza's view, drop her in the middle of the General Irons uh, fight would show, uh, Greg, a lack of consistency, I guess, is the most euphemistic way of saying it. So I kind of tied these things together. You think it's fair what I just said? I think it's a valid and fair view that uh, can be proposed. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I think um, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't uh, get into Sue's head, but I think I think that's a fair point And, you know, you could see how someone would see it that way. And I'll tell you this, there's something else I've noticed about you uh, with these. You just said you stash away that you have these all these texts and emails. You're uh, like Dylan. You like pluck one out, Bob Dylan, uh, for, for all my millennials out there who don't know him. He's a great songwriter anyway uh you pluck them out like when you don't like out of nowhere like you took a greg mitchell text uh for for the sue garza story that you did i'm like i oh boy must have been sitting on this text for a (laughs) while ah now i'm gonna use it and you plucked it in it was pretty good i don't have it in front of me hold on yeah that's that's one of my favorite text messages uh because it's really revealing where Alderman Mitchell, who is not a troublemaker alderman, he is not a loud voice. There are probably uh, three-fourths of the press corps doesn't know what his voice sounds like, and um, except that he's the motion to reconsider guy at the end of council meetings. But uh, Alderman Mitchell's not a troublemaker, and he's been supportive of everything she's done, more or less. Uh, he's voted with her. And he texts her a variety of issues. He wants to talk to her and she doesn't respond. She doesn't respond. She doesn't respond. And he says, mayor, when are we going to talk? I've called, I've texted, I've gone up to the fifth floor. I'd hate to think that you, that I can only talk to you when you're trying to pass a budget. And she didn't even respond to that one, which is a remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, the exact quote. I hate to think that the only time I can talk to you is when you were trying to pass a budget. Uh, yeah, that uh, that is a remarkable text. Uh, who, who was it? Uh, David Moore tells a, a story about forcing Mayor Rahm to talk to him. So it's it's not just here. Uh, to quote McDunkey, in fairness to Lori Lightfoot, <laughs> she's not the first mayor uh, who has been reluctant to talk to Alderman. All right, let's move on to the J.B. Pritzker stuff. This was a huge scoop. It came out right before the New Year's, I want to say. And um, oh, no, I'm looking at the wrong ones. I apologize. I'm looking at Kwame. Uh, here we go. And 
I'll read you this exchange. This is exchange of text. We, we had a field day with this one, Greg, uh, Dennis and I on a various, uh, Oh, what a week shows. Here we go. Uh, so this is Lightfoot starting it off. Gov, <laughs> gov, she calls him <laughs> gov, <laughs> gov. This is pre- petty and unnecessary. And why we have serious issues with your staff, not smart. Uh, the next morning, Pritzker responded, quote, I woke up and saw your text. Texting, probably not the best way to communicate. You should call me when you can. A day later, Lightfoot texted Pritzker a sometimes opinion piece with the headline, Mayor's gaffes won't help Chicago get a lift from Pritzker in Springfield. Super helpful, she wrote. <laughs> sarcasm, sarcasm. I got to give her credit. That's kind of a funny, sarcastic line. Pritzker responded, Mayor, I didn't write this, nor did I foster it. I get bad press, too. Call when you would like. The mayor texted back. It's your people. This is very clear. I would never do this to you, but now I get the rules of engagement. The rules of engagement. Sorry, Greg. I just laugh out loud whenever you are. The rules of engagement. All right. Help us out with that one. Go ahead. Well, the rules of engagement is a line that the mayor has used on other people, including Kwame Raul, where she went after the attorney general and she was mad that one of his lawyers had criticized the city on the consent decree in court. And she said, now I know the rules of engagement to him as well, which I thought was very interesting. You know, you can add rules of engagement to um, Folsom as a to fulsome frankly uh, a few of the phrases that mayor lifefoot likes um foment uh she was upset with um with the governor because uh they you know um despite what they try to say sometimes they just don't get along they they can work together that's absolutely true that's absolutely fair they can and they do work together most of the time in a in a decent way but they're not Uh, And, you know, they can have friendly conversations, but they see the world differently. They have very different styles. Um, You know, they're just they're just very different. And and they've had some really heated fights, especially over covid. But early on, you know, it's a one of the things we sort of forget sometimes is Mayor Lightfoot tried to dump pensions on Pritzker's lap. You know, the city was uh, leaking the proposal that, you know, to the city was pushing the idea that Pritzker should be considering taking on Chicago's pensions, which would solve our problem and make it their problem. And, you know, it's a, it's a non-starter of an idea. And the mayor was, um, I know that there, there were bad feelings between Springfield and city hall over that. There've been bad feelings over other issues. And, you know, what you see there is the mayor sort of taking them out in those text messages. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, We'll close with Kwame. I uh, I thought this was the one where I thought the mayor was most unfair. Uh, this is an article, uh, February 10th. Anybody wants to read the full article, uh, you can find it. All these articles you can find uh, just by Googling uh, Gregory Pratt, P-R-A-T-T, uh, Chicago Tribune. You may have to be a subscriber like I am to get at it, but you can find them. Uh, and um, so I thought she was unfair uh, just uh, because – uh, this has to do, well, I'll let you explain. I'll let you uh, annotate it. Um, and here's, here's it goes. Kwame, do you really want a public fight with me over the consent decree? Your flax comments today in court were way over line. You have never once engaged with me over the consent decree, so this is shameful. It was a cheap political shot 
that I would have thought was beneath you, but now I know the terms of engagement. End of quote. Wait, was it terms of engagement or rules of engagement the last time? I think she said rules. Rules. She said varying it. The the mayor's getting a little Bob Dylan-like. I'll vary this line here. Uh, All right, uh, Gregory, annotate that, please. Well, you know, I, that, that, that's a really revealing exchange because the mayor was upset. She had just given a speech right after the George Floyd riots, um, right after the civil unrest that followed the murder of George Floyd. And, um, and she's upset about this. And she's, uh, she's concerned that the city's burning. She gives a speech aimed at reassuring people that we're, we're going to help you. We're going to help our residents. Uh, we're not going to let this happen again. Um, and please don't, um, please don't riot anymore because we take police reform seriously. All of these things were part of that speech that she gave on June 2nd, 2020. And the mayor, and then, you know, as part of that, she, she made a line that's, that's actually kind of um, glib in, in the text and in delivery where she says something about the, the process of reform has been too slow. And she seems to blame it on the consent decree itself. Uh, but, but the way it's worded and the way it's said is a little bit glib. And so um, the attorney general's office um, took it as they were blaming the consent decree itself for the slowness. And she goes into court and, and she makes it clear they're be, they're way behind, which at the time they were really badly behind and they need to get that together. And, you know, the mayor gave this speech blaming the consent decree itself, but, uh, CPD has the power to change. The city hall has power to change. And, um, that's what she took offense to. And it's very interesting because she gave a political speech that got rebutted. And then she went after them and said, how dare you be political? And so it's, it's one of those, um, you would imagine, you, you know, I wouldn't imagine Rom or, or, or daily getting, um, that on their high horse in that instance about it after, uh, but the mayor got on her high horse about it and, and, uh, really lit into him. Yeah, she really lit into him. And, uh, it's interesting because, uh, it was a reverse of her exchange with Pritzker where with Pritzker, she shot off a text and Pritzker saying, what are you doing? Sending me a text, just call me. And then with this one, you know, she's mad at Raul for not calling her. So if like if you read all these Gregory Pratt released text messages, you can like see a pattern with Lori Lightfoot. You know, she picks and chooses the hills, the the proclamations she's going to make, the ultimatum she's going to make, the principles she's going to espouse. They vary from text to text. It's fascinating stuff. Uh, and also, this is where I thought, I mean, I thought it was unfair on many fronts. Your point being very good, a good one, like. This is there's been this ongoing struggle with the city to get it to uh, play by the consent decree uh, and confront the issues of police brutality and the need for changing police tactics. This has been an ongoing fight, Greg, from way back in the 70s. And uh, for her to make it seem as though like this was aimed at her is kind of ahistorical, if you will. And then it's to call the lawyer for Raul's office, uh, Sharice Pryor. I don't know Sharice Pryor, but she's a lawyer, works for uh, Kwame Raul to call her a flack. Uh, Was kind of a cheap shot, I thought, you know. um, 
Pretty remarkable, uh, especially since, you know, uh, your listeners may or may not know. I mean, flack is a term that we use for spokespeople. Uh, most of them don't care about the term, but some of them get really pissed if you call them a flack. They're like, I'm not a flack. I'm an information distributor serving <laughs> peace and justice or whatever the hell they say, you know, and I'm yeah. like, um, let's just chill out. I meant no disrespect, you know, like, uh, but um Flack is is a neutral word at best. It's got some negative connotations of some. I don't know that a lawyer's a flack, uh, and so it's it's pretty. It was uh, disrespectful. Yeah, it's disrespectful. But and then of course Kwame Roll is like, Let's, we can work together. We can work together. It doesn't seem like anybody engages uh, the mayor. No, I haven't seen any. Maybe I missed something where somebody goes back at her, gives punches as hard as her, as she punches at them. It seems like everybody's as passive as they can, as peacemaking as they can. Let's talk about this offline. You know, that kind of thing. Have I I missed one where someone really engaged her? Uh, Brendan Riley pushed back fairly hard when she sent him a thing saying, you know, how dare you call the soup a moron? That's Bush League. And he said, Mayor, I am anything but Bush League. And, you know... But even he was somewhat deferential where he was telling her, and by the way, I've been a supporter of yours. I'm going to continue to be a supporter of yours. But, you know, this and that. I mean, there was he stood up for himself, but he also did a little bit of the, uh, um, you know, pat the tiger on the head. Yeah, I've not seen uh, any uh, text exchange between Mayor Lori Lightfoot and any of these public officials that is the equivalent to uh, the exchange she had with a uh, good friend of this show, Alderman Ray Lopez at a 15th Ward. Uh, Dennis plays it all the time. Uh, she, he goes, I demand an answer. And she goes, you're full of shit. He goes, I'm full of shit. Oh, yeah, I, I've heard it so many times, Gregory. I know it by heart. Uh, and my listeners do as well. We play it all the time. But I've never seen anything remotely. And that was an exchange uh, during a, um, a Zoom meeting right after uh, the riots uh, that you alluded to uh, after George Floyd's murder. Uh, that's as raw as it gets. And I, I doubt you're ever going to find uh, a text message exchange between Lori Lightfoot and Raymond Lopez. Have you found one, by the way, that I'm just not aware of? Uh I don't think there are any with her and Ray. There's a couple like her and Beal have like two, I think that are just a once a call me because she doesn't talk to Beal. There are none with Burke. I don't think she's ever texted with Silvana Tabarez. Um, she, mo- you know, um, one of the remarkable things, and I alluded to it in a follow up piece, is just how little communication she has with most of these people at all. And so, but she's had exchanged at least a couple of superficial texts with most aldermen, but there are a lot of them that she's just done nothing with. And it's very interesting um, how that works. You know, one of the, one of my favorite ones, just cause it's revealing is early in her time as mayor, she texts Jim Kappelman and she says, I'd like your support on this, uh, on this marijuana vote. You know, the black caucus was trying to delay marijuana sales as a way to pressure the state to rewrite the marijuana law because they thought that it didn't give enough licenses, which they were right about. But um, she texts Kappelman and she's like, I'd really like your support on this. I need your vote. He says, Mayor, I'm with the Black Caucus. I try to be with the Black Caucus on these issues because they, as, as the Black Caucus, have a perspective that I, as a white man, cannot see. And she didn't lobby him further. She just gave up. You know, she didn't. Um, I don't believe she called him, uh, but 
Um, but the text exchange ends there. There's another uh, series of exchanges where um, she was trying to get Harry Osterman to vote yes on her budget in 2020. And he finally got to the point that he was a no. And, um, and then if you look at their text before that and after that, it's a completely different relationship. And, you know, you also want to be careful not to read too much into any one individual series of exchanges, but taken together with 50, I can totally see she, she does. Um, the last example I'll give where she kind of shirks some confrontation, she'll, she'll jump in a confrontation with some, but she shirks a lot of confrontation. Uh, David Moore confronted her about some comments she made about Elsie Higginbottom, where she was dissing on Higginbottom in a John Cass column. And, um, uh, David Moore said, and she had said that like whenever they walk into a room together, Elsie Higginbottom basically turns and runs away. And David Moore texted her and he's like, Mayor, that's not true and that's not fair. I've been in the room with you guys. He doesn't turn and run away from you and he's a good man and blah, blah, blah. And um, if I recall correctly, the mayor didn't respond to that at all. Yeah. Uh, she probably thought better of herself. Uh, fascinating stuff. I urge everybody uh, to check it out. I will say this. Yeah. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot has sharp elbows. She's not afraid to counterpunch. She's not afraid to lead with the punch, uh, as you can tell by reading uh, Gregory Pratt's uh, very illuminating articles. And it may be work. It may be what ultimately uh, sort of forced uh, Arnie Duncan out of the race, uh, if you will. And uh, so maybe there's some uh, uh, method to the madness. Greg, will there be any uh, more uh, tech stories coming out in the near future? Um, I'm going to shake my magic eight ball and, and, uh, say seems likely. It seems likely. I, I, I this my favorite exchange. I had uh, Nader Issa on the show, the, uh, the sometimes uh, education writer. We were doing a conversation. So at the end of the show, I go, Nader, what you got coming up? Anything new? And the reporters never want to tell. It was such a dumb question on my part. Reporters never want to tell they're working on. He had a scoop. I can't remember what it was that he literally probably just finished with Sarah Carp, part of that new combination since BEZ and the sometimes. I forget what it was, Gregory. And he was like, he, he got to give this. I gotta give Nader credit. He went back two weeks to it. Yeah, I want everybody to read this story I wrote two weeks ago, and then I got off to finish the interview about an hour later. Scoop, <laughs> like okay, Nader. I uh, think uh, uh, sometimes when when someone asks me that and I'm annoyed or I don't really don't want to get into it or I don't like the person, uh, and sometimes when I'm just being playful, it can depend. Um, I like to say no. I'm done writing good stories. You know, it, it's all downhill from here. It's all downhill. That's it. That's my last good story. Uh, well, the la if that's the case, then I'm the beneficiary because that was a hell of a story you wrote about uh, Sue Sedlowski Garza and the comment she made on my show. So, again, thank you for uh, writing that story, and uh, thanks for being on my show, and just keep up the good work. Uh, Always my pleasure. Night. All right, that's the great Gregory Pratt, uh, and I'm Ben Jarofsky. I want to thank him very much uh, for coming on the show. I also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And as Gregory Pratt and Lori Lightfoot would tell you, back home at Alton, they call him Dr. D, and the D stands for Demarvelous. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. is not done.